I'm about to. <laughs> Perfect. And seems like as good a time as any to get that juicy and opening sound effect going. Oh, no, I just cut my nails. I can't do it. <laughs> there Cheers. we go. <laughs> Salud. Oh, awesome. Drinking one of my favorite Arkansas breweries. Oh, yeah. Okay, so I'm actually sponsored by Sierra Nevada Brewing Company, and I'm not drinking Sierra right now. Um, but they're having trouble getting me beer out here. It's just really different. Oh yeah. Are, I mean, are, you, are you in Arkansas currently? Yes. <clears throat> yeah. They, uh, the laws around alcohol acquisition there are really rough. <laughs> it's a thing I don't super miss about living out there is just like being, you know, it'll be a Sunday and you're like, Oh, I'd like to get a beer. And it's like, you can't, um, sometimes it felt like yeah. living in the town from footloose. I, um, let's see, a few Sundays ago, I, I, uh, was out of beer and I needed beer to watch football. Yep. And I realized it was Sunday, <laughs> but it's only about 19 minutes, uh, to, um, a liquor store across the border. Oh yeah. You're, so, you're up in, uh, Bella Vista, right? I'm in, I'm in town in Bentonville. Oh, okay. Um, but it's still, it's still yeah. not far to go to the liquor yeah, store. Yeah. God, God bless the Missouri border. Um, God bless them. Saved my life that day. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but I'm really stoked to chat. I, you know, I think that you're doing some really cool stuff and I'm just kind of stoked to pick your brain and hear about, you know, kind of how your relationship with the outdoors, um, the environment, if we want to use a big fancy word has evolved, what it looks like and kind of how you got to where you are. Awesome. Um, for my viewers and listeners, can you introduce yourself? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So I'm Zoe Rome. I am the editor in chief at Trail Runner Magazine. I am a, I'm originally from Arkansas, but I now live in Carbondale, Colorado, which is just down the hill from Aspen. I know where Carbondale is. Um, yeah. Yeah. My sister lives in Silt. Oh, nice. Okay. So, have you ever been have... to see the trails out here? We have some pretty sweet trails. Yeah. Uh, I have not ridden there before. Um, I've done a ton of skiing at Snowmass and at Highlands. Um, I love Highlands. That's one of my Me favorite too. mountains. Love that mountain. Um, my my friend Mark was working for the adaptive program there, and he was trying to get me to come out and ride for a while, but he's since moved away. Um, but yeah, so I've been meaning to get there. There is actually another adaptive rider that lives in town. I'm pretty sure he is in, he's in Glenwood. Nice. He's in Glenwood and he's got a similar bike to mine. Um, uh, so you do have local adaptive riders with yeah. off-road mountain bikes there. Yeah. And actually Aspen does have a fairly robust um, adaptive program, both for its yep. winter and, and summer sports, which I've always super appreciated either through challenge Aspen or a Shindigo. So there's a lot of cool stuff going on up there. I feel super great to, you know, being a part of a community that really tries to like grow itself and evolve itself past just like, mm -hmm. I don't know, white dudes skiing rad shit is pretty great. <laughs> yes. Um, I drive through there at least once a year, if not two or three times. So, well, hey, next time, drop a line. 
hundred percent, hundred percent. And so, and, um, so that was your sister that I met, correct? Yes. Yeah. She recently just started biking and has like totally fallen in love with it and has been trying to just meet people up in the Northwest Arkansas, you know, biking scene, even though she's currently on the DL, she, um, just got her ACL replaced. So right, she's not right. been doing a lot of biking lately, but that hasn't diminished her stoke towards meeting bikers at all. Yeah, I was just there having beers with friends and we were outside by the fire and came inside to say hello to another friend. And your sister was sitting at the table right there and we started chit-chatting. And I just mentioned, I don't know how it came up. I can't remember, but I I mentioned that when I'm riding my bike in my mind, uh, I'm trail running. And she was like, oh, oh, you got to talk to my sister. (laughs) Yeah, that's actually a really great place to start because, you know, I was wondering, you know, how long have you been trail running and like, what does that mean? And what does that look like to you? Well, that is a really good question. Um, I guess physically, I've never been a trail runner (laughs) because I didn't realize that I was one until after I was in a wheelchair. I've, um, I've always been a runner my whole life. Um, I've really enjoyed running that feeling of your body just revving, revving at a high level for extended periods of time. I'm addicted to that feeling. And, um, I ran, I ran cross country and, you know, did all that kind of stuff and have grown up surfing and just running when there's no waves. And I, I, since I've been in a wheelchair, and I've been on the trail, I, I realized that that's what I'm doing in my mind is, is running on the trail. And that's where my heart's at. Yeah. How, like, what, what did that, what kind of like, what was that moment where it kind of clicked for you that like, oh yeah, I'm out here trail running. Cause like, to me, like you and I run basically, you know, the same kind of style of, of trail mm-hmm. and like, definitely seems like we're enjoying them in more or less the same way. I'm wondering mm-hmm. kind of like, was there a light bulb moment for you or a moment where you just like really felt like that was how you were out there experiencing those trails? Another great question. I, um, well, life in a wheelchair is pretty much relegated to the pavement, you know? Um, and so as a wheelchair user, um, well, let me, let me back up a little bit. I found that I was, um, like really struggling starting to struggle with uh, depression and, and things like that. And I came to a realization that it was, you know, when I would be out in nature and have those rare opportunities, I, 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 I realized that, that, you know, that feeling was gone. Um, you know, things like skiing and surfing, um, I realized, wow, I feel a lot better after I've, you know, got my hug from mother nature. I'm not depressed, you know, and I'm actually ecstatic. Um, and so, and I started looking to the trail uh, as somewhere where I wanted to be and getting total FOMO, you know, like what I want to go out on the trail. And so I started just really, I had a stint where I was stuck in bed for a few months and I completely geeked out on Google satellite images uh, on trails. I like follow, 
spent literally like three months laying in my bed, just like following trails on Google satellite images on Google maps. And I was like, Holy crap. I, I just want to be really be out on the, on the trail. And so I was researching, you know, things like off-road wheelchairs and things like that uh, so that I could, you know, get, get out on the trail and get off road, get onto the beach. You know, I really wanted to figure out a way to, you know, surf on my own, you know, be able to find looking for ways to get across the sand. And in my research, I, I found this manufacturer of, of this bike that I ride. And I was like, holy crap, <laughs> that thing's freaking awesome. So that's pretty much that's pretty much how it started. And that was in 2007. I got my first adaptive mountain bike and got on the trail for the first time. Yeah. I think, you know, something that comes up a lot, like hearing you speak is that you've always had like a really consistent relationship with nature. How has that evolved or changed over time? And how has the wheelchair maybe even deepened that relationship that you're, you've been exploring for, for years and years? Sorry, putting my phone on. Do not disturb. That's a great question. How has my relationship with nature evolved? Mm -hmm. Well, (laughs) when I was young and, um, so full of ego it was more about um fun and impressing people um and uh kind of fulfilling this uh i i don't want i you know hesitate to use the phrase adrenaline junkie but you know satisfying this this need for adrenaline you know and it was more about that and then now things are much calmer <laughs> and more, it's more of um, kind of mental, emotional and spiritual survival um, because I know what I feel like when my relationship with nature is, is not happening. So when I'm out there, I try to do, <laughs> instead of just like going crazy, well, there is an element to that. Uh, like they're doing, but it's more about, I kind of really enjoy destroying myself. Um, I don't know. Yeah. You smile. You can relate with that. I really enjoyed that. Very relatable. <laughs> that spiritual yeah. need to just like yeah. hurt a little bit or a lot bit. Yeah. Or a lot bit. Definitely. <laughs> I, yeah. I'm still, you know, digesting that feeling and, and why it's so important for me to feel that. So that's the element there and then you know anything that involves adrenaline you know just takes a a lot of work for me now i really have to really work up to it um but i instead of it being more about that it's more things like um i'll take off my glove i'll stop take off my glove and touch the ground for 60 seconds you know how often do we actually ever touch the earth with our bare skin like very rarely through, I mean, through my day, especially being a chair, you know, I've got this chair that's between me and the earth. And right now I've got my, you know, my house, the the slab base, you know, between me and the earth. Um, how often do we actually ever touch the dirt, like touch a tree, touch a leaf, you know, get in the water. And um, I have found that that's really important and uh, just, for my mental health and well-being, just extremely grounding. Yeah, so it's more you know, about that. Yeah. 
something else that comes up a lot in, in your work is this <clears throat> desire to like get off of concrete, right? Like, why do you think it's so important to have that experience of like actually riding or running on dirt, on gravel, on like the stuff the earth is actually made of, as opposed to this manufactured kind of like hard, you know, pavement? I just think it's how we're wired. Um, it's how I'm wired anyways. Um, and I mean, studies are showing, God, who's the author? His name is escaping right now. Author of like Child in the Woods. I think he coined the term uh, nature deficit disorder. What, mm. Do you know who I'm talking about? I've, I've, What's I've heard of that. I could look it up, but I don't want to take time to like pull out my phone. You know, if we were on Rogan, we just tell Jamie to look it up, you know, <laughs> Jamie, who was the author's name? <laughs> um, but yeah, I think the name of his book, several books, um, and the one is a child in the forest or something, child in the woods or something like that. Um, so, I mean, he, he talks about a lot about nature deficit, the nature deficit disorder and how, um, you know, having a relationship with nature is not just good or important. It's vital to mental health and well-being. And studies are now coming out that prove this. And so, I mean, imagine how our like medical industry is going to change and the health industry is going to change when this is, you know, a proven thing that we need to um you know, get a little bit of sunlight every day and, and move under the sky and, and, you know, get out on the trail or, or something, something um, on a regular basis. I just, I, I believe that this is how we're wired and that it's incredibly important. And the need for it is really growing because, you know, we've got, these things, which are really cool and allow us to accomplish so much in our lives, you know, um, I wouldn't be able to do what I'm doing to the level that I'm doing it today without this thing and, and without this thing that we're talking on, you know, all this. it's really, they're really cool. They're really cool things and we're able to accomplish so much, um, but we're on them so much and then therefore rendered so much more in need of of that relationship with nature because of it um and our you know our kids are you know we've got this whole now multiple generations of people growing up attached to these things and you know growing up with a very minimal if any relationship with nature and we're wondering why there's you know all this crap happening in the world you know, so to answer your question, you know, why I, I just think it's how we're wired. I think it's, it's just super important. Yeah. I mean, I totally agree. And I think, you know, just to piggyback off that, and I wonder how this factors into what you do is that like, when, you know, again, like we're, we're starting to see increasingly that research shows that, you know, access to natural spaces, access to clean air, water, area to walk outside is not just something that should be a privilege, but the access should be like fundamentally a right. And so I'm wondering, you know, how does 
wanting to maybe make these natural spaces more accessible and like not just make them be like a, a privilege granted to the few, but something that is accessible to the many factor into what you do on a daily basis? Man, that's tough. Um, well, two things come to mind and I hope I answer your question. And if I don't, let me know. Yeah. Um, well, <laughs> I kind of, uh, let me start with the first, my other point first. Um, because coming from California, there's so many people and so many people moving to California. It's so funny being here. People are like, Oh, everybody from California moves here. And I'm like, fuck you. Everybody from everywhere else moves to California. <laughs> no, yep. it's crazy. It's crazy. San Diego reminds me a lot of like, um, have you been to Honolulu? I haven't. Well, Honolulu reminds me, oh my God, this is by transitive property. San Diego <laughs> reminds me of Honolulu, which reminds me of the bar scene in Star Wars, <laughs> where it's just people from all over the galaxy, this like <laughs> cornucopia hodgepodge of, of just all kinds of different people that are not from there, you know? And San Diego has become a, a lot like that, where everybody there is from everywhere else. Um, but my point is, is that like, there's so many people and the population is growing so fast that the open spaces, there's not enough open spaces. There's not enough open space. Um, and it's, it's, it's an, it's an epidemic because, you know, we want to um, respect nature and we want to preserve nature, but we also need open space to experience nature. So, what do we do? <laughs> you know, there's all these open spaces that are protected, which is really important. And I support that hundred percent. Um, but there's not enough space for all the people. So what do we do? It's really important. And it's a really good question for that. You know, um, you know, out here, there's a lot more space. There's a lot less people. The population density is exponentially smaller it's a different scene for sure like the totally never in arkansas scene. did i have to like fight for trailhead parking the way that i do in colorado trailhead i just ride from my house oh see yeah <laughs> well i mean you know where i live now it's you know i can just run for my house but like i lived in boulder for a couple of years and it was just like oh my god you had to get an alpine start just to park you know at the park in town which again, like is great. And like, I am the crowd, you know, like I am not above it. Like yeah. I'm there for the same reason as everyone else and have no more level of like entitlement than anyone else who's there. But it is just this realization of like the human to trail space ratio is skewed in a lot of spaces. But again, we're all starting to realize more and more that like we all have this deep seated need to connect with these outdoor spaces and get off our phones, but we're all kind of doing it on top of each other and in ways that maybe don't prioritize the needs of other folks too. Yeah. And you being from Colorado, um, Denver, like Western Denver is oh, having yeah. a big problem with the trails there. From what I hear from my friends there, like it's just crazy and people like, Hikers are setting up booby traps for the mountain bikers and like all kinds of crazy shit, man. And as you said it well, because we're doing it on top of each other. And that's, you know, that's the problem, you know, maybe we're the virus, <laughs> <laughs> you know, nature is healing. <laughs> we are kind of, by definition, we are kind of a virus, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Pretty rapid spread, you know, out of control growth. There's yeah. 
a lot of parallels there. Someone told me now, okay, now I've heard this statistic a few times um, that there's more people alive today than have ever lived in the I history of the world. I've heard that, but I feel like I would have to fact check that before I can fully sign off. Yeah. But even if it's close, yeah, it's fucking crazy. Yeah. yeah. That's crazy. That's a lot of people. We need, we need more planets. Yes. If we're going to keep doing this. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So that was my first point to answer your question. Um, and the, my second thing, uh, you use the word um, right. Like we have a right to these open spaces. And that's interesting. That That's an interesting I think I agree with you. Like, you know, when it comes to um, worldly, you know, law standard, you know, the laws of our, our world and our, na- our physical laws of our, of our, of our nation, you know, human rights. Um, but I have found that when I operate under the philosophy that I have no rights, and especially when it comes to nature and getting to these little corners of the world, my quality of life goes from here to here because in that respect, under that blanket, it becomes my responsibility to get there and not somebody else's. It becomes mm-hmm. my responsibility to figure it out, becomes my responsibility to adapt to the world, not the world's responsibility to adapt to me. So it's an interesting, it's an interesting statement to say, like, we have a right to these open spaces. We do when it comes to the law, but um, man, that doesn't get me to the tops of mountains. You know, that doesn't get me, you know, out in the ocean, you know, yeah. living with the perspective of figuring it out gets me out there, you know? Mm-hmm. How, how do you feel about that? Like that idea that it that it, it that it's your responsibility to to quote you it's your responsibility to adapt to the world, not the world's responsibility to adapt to you. Like, what does that mean for you, and how do you feel about that? Like, do you wish things were different, or is that that's just a world worldview? Well, I, I'm saying that um, with the perspective of just being a person, not being mm. a person with a not, did forget disability. Um, I'm not just saying that because I'm in a wheelchair and because I have a disability. I'm saying that for everybody. Everybody lives with this perspective. Like, um, like imagine how much more you can accomplish, you know? How does it make me feel? Uh, I, I think it's empowering, you know, uh, when we take the second I utter those words, I have no rights, you know, um, when, you know, the, the, the second, the result of that is taking responsibility for ourselves. And the result of that is empowerment. You know, if I'm going to accomplish anything, get anywhere, get to the top of that mountain, go explore that country, swim with the dolphins, whatever it is, you know, <laughs> it's up to me, you know? Um, yeah. I, when I, um, when I do talks, I talk about um, being, I use the metaphor of, you know, pioneers, you know, coming out West in wagon trains for the first time. And they're just subject to the environment, nature, you know, there's mountain lions, there's bears, there's native Americans, there's weather, 
you know, <laughs> there's all kinds. And they're, you know, by the time they get to where they're going, it's a whole different group of people because a generation has gone by, you know, everyone that started is now dead and it's all new people, you know, that <laughs> have spawned from those people. It's, it's a, you know, that the whole story of pioneers coming out West is insane to me, crossing mountains, you know, and what that took. Um, and so that when I say like, we have no rights, um, or I have no rights. I, I use that metaphor of, of pine as if we're pioneers because no one's been Zoe on this earth before. No one's been that Zoe, you know, you're, you're doing Zoe on this planet for the first time, you know? And so there are, there are no rules and there are no rights and you're a pioneer, you know? And so that's, and that makes me, when I'm in control of myself, that, that makes me feel empowered. Mm. Definitely. What does that empowerment look like specifically in, in your life? Right. Like you talk a lot about like, you know, taking that responsibility for yourself to like hold yourself accountable, get yourself outside and exploring and adventuring in the ways that are meaningful to you. Um, what, what does that, what does that look like? Like, you know, I mean, it's probably a good bit, you know, probably takes a little bit more logistical, uh, oomph to get out the door then you know someone just has to throw on a pair of shoes I would love to know if you could just kind of again just walk me through like what that actually looks like it's one thing to say like oh take responsibility but you know what does that what does that really mean for for you you're a really good interviewer well thanks (laughs) yeah I mean obviously you're a writer I've not read your stuff I'm I'm assuming you're a good writer because you're editor in chief of a large magazine in in progress (laughs) at a very young age. Mm -hmm. um, That's impressive. Um, So I'm assuming you're a good writer. Um, I was uh, at NPR previous to coming to trail runner. So audio interviewing is kind of my home turf, I guess. You're good at it. Uh, That's really cool. Oh man. Logistically, what does it look like for me? Well, forget being in a wheelchair because uh, being human is <laughs> my yeah. biggest problem. Um, I, you know, if you look at my, if you follow any of my stuff, I do, I do a lot, you know, I, I really do. Um, but know that everything that you see um, ha- takes this huge layer of molasses for me to push through first um, in order to do anything. Um, I do struggle. I don't want to say depression is maybe too strong of a word, but, you know, lack of, uh, motivation and a propensity to be sad. Um, I I definitely have that, um, and, um, an inclination of focusing on the negative. I'm a glass half empty kind of guy, um, naturally. Um, so to be glass half full guy does take, energy and effort for me. Um, so everything I do, that's the first thing, like waking up in the morning is probably the hardest thing I do. Um, and coffee helps (laughs) seriously. My love for coffee gets me out of bed. (laughs) That sounds depressing, but it's, it's to me, it's, it's the beautiful plight of, of being human, you know, of this, this, you know, living this arc, story arc every day, you know, of, um, just getting myself out of bed, dealing with the, the pain that I feel, physical pain that I feel getting to that, just cup of coffee. And then I, you know, kind of breathe a 
sigh of relief. Um, so there's that. <laughs> and that is much harder than anything physical that I have to deal with with being disabled. Um, but yeah, um, when it comes to getting in the trail, you know, <laughs> everything involves large pieces of equipment, large, expensive um, pieces of equipment. Um, and uh, let me just say to anybody listening or watching that just being able to put your shoes on and run out the door is a beautiful thing. Do not take it for granted. And if there's one thing that I miss the most or think about the most, it's that. There's a lot of beauty in the simplicity of that. For example, like when I travel, how do you know, I don't have my bikes with me. I don't have my stuff with me. How do I exercise? You know, um, most people just bring a pair of shoes in their duffel bag. You know, it can just go for a walk if they're staying at a hotel somewhere cold for, some, you know, for a weekend. I don't really have that option because pushing my wheelchair any distance with a torn rotator cuff is not a good thing, you know? So having that option and the simplicity of it is very beautiful. And I just want to motivate anybody to, to not take that for granted. So yeah, for me, logistically it involves a huge bike and it involves transporting that huge bike or a huge board and getting that huge board across the sand somehow um, and, and figuring it out. Um, but luckily I have this, um, this brain that works well for that, that just like, um, you know what I want to do? I've really thought I, um, I would like to do like, um, logistical training, um, for like the military or something when it, like efficiency training, like people, like they have efficiency classes in the military. Um, and I think I want to try to teach those. You know, when it comes to eliminating steps, that's like my whole life every day is eliminating steps, you know, um, throughout the course of like every task, you know, there's a list of subtasks, you know, and minimizing those and trying to do things in the most efficient way possible. That's totally how my mind works. I'm super proud of, of, of that. Um, I, I think if I had another go around in this life, I would probably go to school for like um, systems engineering or something like that, you know, because that's how my mind works. I'd probably join the drama club too <laughs> instead of playing football. <laughs> um, so to answer your question about how does that look like for me in logistics, it involves large pieces of gear and figuring out the most efficient system for transporting it. And, usually yeah yeah so you do a ton of stuff outside right like I mean I like basically just run like I've been you know I'm from Arkansas so like no skiing background I've been like kind of trying to learn as an adult which is I think it's pretty tough I'm not like all that natural an athlete <clears throat> so anytime you're moving fast with like planks of wood on your feet I'm kind of like oh. um but like you you're like a hugely talented multi-sport athlete is there a certain like way of getting outside that like you identify with most or that you feel particularly like how do you I don't know like what what does it say on your LinkedIn that you do you're like outdoor <laughs> athlete LinkedIn um well first of all thank you for saying I'm talented um 
I, I don't think that I am talented. Um, I see I you going I'm, off some jumps that like, again, I'm not a trained, you know, I'm not an expert, but well, they seem pretty, <laughs> those jumps are very small compared to other people that are doing those jumps, um, different, ju- bigger jumps. Um, anything I do like takes me a long time and a lot of repetition. I have to work really hard at everything I do. I'm not like naturally, I'm marginally talented, you know, in a lot of, th- in a lot of things. Um, but anything you see me do, like it really takes a lot of work and a lot of repetition. I don't pick things up quickly. Um, and I wish I could be one of those people that says, oh yeah, you know, I picked it up really fast, but no, not, not at all. It takes me a really long time, which is interesting because, you know, having a YouTube channel, making videos and things like that, it's kind of something people expect. They expect you to be good. And then when you're not, they're kind of like, oh, why, why were you so scared? I'm like, because I suck, bro. <laughs> I'm not good. I'm making videos because I'm good at making videos and I'm good in front of a camera and I'm marginally good at the stuff I'm doing. You know what I mean? Just because I'm making these videos doesn't mean I'm great, you know? So thank you for saying that. Um, and then, uh, oh, yeah, I do. I wear many hats. Um, I think that the person I am at my core is an outdoorsman and an adventure seeker. That's, that's what I want to put on all my stuff. Um, but yeah, many hats. Um, I work in sales. I work in consulting. I work in, in speaking and there's a different website for each one of those. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but, you know, I guess, and uh, this might be a little bit of bragging uh, right now, but um, I get to say that I'm a pro athlete. And that's really fun for me to say. And I really like being able to say that. Um, I work as a pro consultant. Um, I, I, I ride, you know, trails and features and tell them what I think. And that's super fun. <laughs> And get paid to do it. I get paid to ride my bike, which um, definitely pinching myself every day. Well, I say that, but I have the kind of mind where I have to remind myself that I'm happy. <laughs> like, hey, dude, you don't have to be bummed out. You don't have to be sad. Like, you have a fucking incredible life. <laughs> it's crazy that I have to remind myself of that. Um, but that's one hat that uh, I, I, I'm wearing now and I'm really, really proud to, to say it out loud. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, that definitely sounds like a pretty resonant mindset for, I think, endurance athletes generally, right? Like if your brain was just fine being happy and still like, you know, maybe you wouldn't push yourself to like go off jumps or to like ride your bike for like a long ass time or run for a long ass time. You just be like, oh yeah, I'm cool hanging out by my fire and, and drinking a beer. But I think, you know, something that a lot of folks resonate with is kind of like, you know, if having sometimes that glass half empty mindset is kind of what keeps you going in a way, right? Like it keeps you striving for like more, like, oh, can I build a better trail? Can I go ride it better? Like, how do I, you know, how do I try to keep filling this glass while recognizing that like, you know, it's never really going to feel full. That's a really good point. That's something I need to remember. Cause I get, I get, I'm hard on myself, you know, for you know, feeling blue or whatever. That's a really good point. I pre- I'm glad that you said that. 
that's something I, I need to remind myself of. Just, I feel like I see some, uh, I recognize some of those similar tendencies in myself and like, you know, I don't always love them, but I do feel like they, you know, when I can recognize them and make peace with them, they can help me be a better runner, writer, something. Yeah. And like, if, you know, maybe we didn't feel that way or you didn't feel that way, maybe you'd just be playing video games and be exactly. happy with that, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Glass Very half full, hanging out on the couch all day. <laughs> <laughs> Which I do that sometimes. <laughs> um, usually on Sundays when I'm watching football. Yeah, so so you get to go ride trails and basically like give feedback and help develop them. What does what does that look like? I'm really curious about that process. Oh, it's it's actually so fun. It's, it's such a fun process. Um, okay. So imagine me out on the trail on my bike and I've got a little fanny pack with my phone and I'm riding a trail. And then, you know, usually with a support rider that I've scheduled to be with me. Um, and when I run into an issue, I stop, I save my GPS location. And I, I take a photo and take notes of the issue. Um, and I use Gaia, Gaia Maps. Are you familiar with, with that? Yeah, we own them. Or we're oh, part no of the way. same family now. Yay, yeah, Gaia. So I, use, I use Gaia, which is a little glitchy. <laughs> we're working on it. <laughs> but I like it's it. a different department. Gaia. We love them, though. What's good about it is everybody uses it. So when I'm working with, you know, uh, a trail builder group or land management, if I just, you know, create these waypoints in Gaia, um, it's easy to share with them. And then when they're out on the trail, they've got it on their phone and they can, you know, navigate to these points super easy and share them with their crew. And it just... Oh my God, like doing everything in Gaia, like is super quick, but and it's creating these PDF reports that takes me days, you know, it's backwards. It's totally backwards. The PDF reports are just totally archaic. Um, but I do do that um, as part of it. So yeah, so I'm on the trail with my phone using Gaia, saving waypoints, taking pictures, taking notes. And then, and then, you know, even when I'm on my like personal rides, if I, if I run into something or, or whatever, you know, I'll, I'll do the same thing. Um, and I get to bill for parts of my personal rides too. <laughs> working <laughs> hard so, always. <laughs> always working it. I don't know, working hard, working it. Um, so that's, that's like the, um, like the trail auditing portion. Mm -hmm of what I do. There's also the, um, the pro like pro consulting where they build something and they say, Hey, Jeremy, come, come ride this and tell us what you think. There's that portion of it, which is my, that's the best part. Mm -hmm. That's, that's where, okay. I show up, I go ride, put the pads on. It's usually, you know, jumps and things like that. And, um, I ride it and I tell them what I think and give feedback. That's, that's probably the funnest part of what I do. And then, the other part is when I'm involved in an actual build project where there's um, a, a builder who has hired me as a consultant on the project that they're hired on so that they can put the adaptive stamp of, of approval on it. Um, and that's really fun too. Um, 
and sometimes I get to jump in the equipment and, and run the equipment too. Um, that that's really cool because, uh, you know, I can't really grab a shovel or, or whatever and go do, you know, trail work, you know? So in the equipment, I get to contribute, contribute to the physical job. And so that feels really good. So like, That's, are you like literally in like a little backhoe moving dirt, cutting stuff, moving rocks? Like, what does that look like? Yes. I have to give credit to my friend, Chris Orr, um, who is known in the world of trails as the trail guru. Um, he is one of the best people on this planet. And he taught me how to drive a skid steer, a skiddy, you call it on the job you know, the little bobcat thing, you, yeah. see, you know, little shovel. He taught me how to drive that thing around. And so, um, I, I get to jump in the skiddy and, uh, usually be the skiddy guy is usually the delivery guy. Well, which that's what I've been on most jobs where I'm delivering rocks or dirt to whoever, um, the, uh, excavator operators are. And while they're building stuff, I deliver the rocks and dirt to them so they can build with it. Super fun. It's really fun. <laughs> Exhausting work, but very, very satisfying. Yeah. So like um, when you're out riding trails, like what are you looking for to make it better? Like what are the things you're taking notes about? You're saying like, this isn't going to fly or like this trail could be really cool if you did this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm always thinking about that stuff constantly. Um, you know, I don't know if better is the right word. Um, because uh, I don't know if it makes it the trail better, um, but maybe just uh, more inclusive. And we're we're working towards the eighty percent rule here, you know, where um, you're you're never going to make everybody happy, you know, with trail work and stuff like that. There's always going to be somebody that's bump, you know, not stoked on it. But the rule is the 80% rule. You know, if you, you know, stoke most people out, then that's a good thing. And when it comes to adaptive riders, usually, you know, we never want to change the nature of a trail or, you know, mountain bikers use the phrase dumb down. We never want to dumb down trails. But if it just takes, you know, a couple, you know, minor edits to allow an entire other user group through a trail, that's that's a no-brainer in in my estimation, you know. So um, usually I'm looking for those things, like the the low-hanging fruit. You know, what what are the couple minor things that have you know little to zero environmental impact um, to get a whole other user group down this trail? That's yeah. usually what I'm looking at. You know, what, what are those what are those things specifically that you're looking for? Man, off camber is my nemesis. Um, you know, uh, you know, when a trail's like this and there's a drop off, you know, that bike is wide. It can, it can flip over. And, uh, man, I flip, not that I have, no, I have flipped down a mountain before (laughs) I have done that. Um, and it's really scary and it can happen really quickly and easily. Um, so I'm usually, that's the one thing I'm looking for. Um, you know, off camber situations or whatever. Um, and pinch points, pinch points is the other thing. The bike is wide, you know, it is wide. So, but the cool thing about that is the equipment is progressing so fast, so fast. And 
And soon, you know, all the work that I'm doing now is going to be moot because the equipment is becoming more and more capable, like very quickly. Yeah. Put yourself out of business is like a pretty good goal to have. Yeah. I'd rather be out of business and be able to go more places, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Can you tell me just a little bit about the equipment that you, that you use? I know this is like super rudimentary and hopefully it's not too boring for folks, but I'd love to know about, about your bike. Like what gets you out there? No, man, my bike is way cooler than I am. That's for sure. (laughs) Yeah. That thing gets a ton of attention. It's, it's, um, a beautiful feat of engineering, honestly. And if, uh, you're, you know, ever in front of it in person you'll see like like, wow this is beautiful if you know anything about machining about welding um in engineering it's 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 a beautiful piece of machinery um it's so there's a few different types of bikes um when i first became an adaptive rider the only bikes that were available were either a bike similar to mine, maybe a little smaller, um, with a drive, tr- like what I mean by similar is two front tadpole configuration where it's two front wheels and a rear one rear wheel. And it's one rear wheel. Cause that's the drive wheel. Mm-hmm. Um, and that bike, um, could climb anything, but had no suspension whatsoever, fully rigid. Um, it was either that bike or the extreme exact opposite, a four-wheel bike with crazy like trophy truck suspension, but it's only gravity fed. So, you know, basically a bike that could downhill anything or a bike that could climb anything. And my bike that I have now was the first with both a drivetrain and full suspension. Um now that that bike that old bike that could climb anything could climb a lot more and that four-wheel bike with suspension had way more suspension than both with this than this bike now but having both is a is a game changer you know with the um with the bike that could climb anything i you know i I went on awesome hikes with that um but i'd ride the bike park and I was just getting jarred, my just destroying my back, you know, um, and any bump, and you know, and you know, having some suspension, you know, you can accommodate some off camber with no suspension at all. Forget it. I think flips over super easy. And then, so I sold that, and I got one of the four wheel gravity bikes. And, uh, that I, I have never sent it more in my life than I did have on that, did on that bike. Like that bike was insane what it could, what it could do. But I started venturing out in the back country and my friends were pushing me, you know, and that just sucked. Or I was reaching back and pushing it like a wheelchair and just, that just sucked. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why it's so cool to have this bike with the drivetrain. It can, it can climb, it can and now with the power assist too, like it can climb, it can climb like crazy. And with the full suspension, it's, it's everything all in one. It's, it's pretty beautiful piece of machinery. And yeah. I mean, just like of, super dumb question. How do you propel it? Like, are you pushing it? Uh, like <laughs> that um, was the next thing I was going to say. And usually okay. the, um, 
the the first question anybody with a like in a little bit of an engineering mind asks um, is like how you know how do you propel it and then how do you steer when well because so there's a there's a hand crank so there's mm-hmm. a handlebar and a hand crank and then the question of engineering is how then do you steer when your hands are on the hand crank because your hand your hands are off the are not on the handlebar there's a chest pad in front um with cables that go through the frame and are attached to the bottom of the stem the hand the stem is what attaches the handlebar to the bike to the steering column and i steer with my chest huh yeah well um yeah it's pretty cool that seems Um, like a really also just like a really physical way of riding a bike um it is it's actually you know it's completely different than riding a two-wheel bike you know when, when i'm cranking you know there's there's a ton of there's a lot of core involved in that that feels really good um it's not precision steering though it, you need to be on like wide open stuff usually fire road or like double track um uh it's kind of like a boat where like i'll end up overcorrecting <laughs> and i'll end up zigzagging a lot um and, and that's kind of why I prefer, well, I, the thing that I say is I, I, I like to climb the wide stuff and downhill the fun stuff. Mm-hmm. So I usually downhill like the fire ro- or, or I mean, climb the fire roads and things like that, which is uh, considered like not the fun thing to do in mountain biking. Yeah. You know, same would probably is it similar in trail running too, or like you kind of like rather, yeah, kind of like I mean, I have like a little bit of a biking background, but like I'm the you know, yeah, it's just like when you just have to put your head down and grind, like why make it harder by being on something like really narrow and pinchy and like I don't know, pumpy when you could just like get the climbing done and then like bomb down. See, that's how I work, but in mountain, that's how I, I told that's how I think, uh, but in mountain biking mountain bikers prefer to be on the trail climbing huh. that the narrow stuff because you know it's windier and traverses and mm. you know uh mo- and less you know less pitch um and you know it's it's seen climbing fire roads is seen as heinous <laughs> in the mountain biking world um but i get my heart rate a lot higher when i'm cranking with two hands um and i'll explain that like so when i'm when i'm on wide open stuff like fire road i can steer with my chest um, because i don't need precision steering and then therefore crank with two hands and i'm getting my my heart rate a lot higher than when i'm climbing trail when i'm on trail you know with the power assist i can crank with one hand and and then steer with the other and so on trail, that's usually what I'm doing, cranking with one hand and steering with the other. And cranking with one arm, I don't get my heart rate near as high as I do cranking with two. Um, so that's why I like to climb the heinous stuff and downhill the fun stuff Yeah, for that, for that reason there. Yeah, it makes all the sense in the world to me. I'm, I'm like, uh, my, I mean, you know, I think with running, it's like fairly uphill oriented and like I do a bit of schema. So it's like, I'll just get the... Just give me all the climbing in one shot so it's over with. Yeah. But that's when I feel like the most like I'm running. Mm-hmm. Um, when I'm like cranking with two hands, you know, I get a lot on the beach too. I'll, I'll ride my, take my bike out on the beach at really low tides 
and at low tide, I'm can get like miles and miles on the beach. And when I'm just like, mm, 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 like, and I'm kind of moving back and forth like this cranking, that's when I most feel like I'm running. And that's when it feels the best to me more than the downhilling and the fun stuff. That's all rad. It's I, I love it all. But I think my favorite is that feeling where I'm like in a rhythm, like cranking back and forth, you know, yeah. and uh, and getting that pump feeling. Um, that that's that's what I think I enjoy the most. Yeah. So for folks that may not have the same or just have like maybe not quite as intimate a relationship with the outdoors, nature, the environment, whatever you want to call it, like what advice would you have for them about starting to build that connection for getting outside more, right? Like, I think, you know, obviously it's like not that easy for you to just, you know, get out there and start enjoying it. So maybe for people for whom it's also not easy or for who like they are the person that can just put their shoes on and get out the door. Like from your perspective, like why should people do that? And what advice do you have for them? Get a dog. (laughs) Seriously, dog gets you outside, get you outside the morning get you outside in the evening you got you if you get a dog you better fucking walk them because otherwise that's a abu- that's abuse you know and it feels so good i don't know it feels so good to be outside in the early morning in the cold walking your dog sipping a cup of coffee i love that feeling you have and a dog i don't right now um my dog passed away in 2014. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> so it's been seven years that I have not been ready. But I'm about, I'm really close to getting a dog. I've actually been online looking at the Humane Society here. Um, you know what? I might just get drunk and go down there and get a dog. <laughs> I've definitely been that person who like has had a couple too many beers and gets on Pet Finder and is just like messaging all the local border collies. Border Collie. That's the dog you like. You like Border Collies. That's cool. Now I have an Aussie Shepherd, but um, that's herding dogs. Was looking for a runner right out, right off, right off the bat. That's what I want. I want a a, a trail dog. Mm-hmm. Uh, my last dog was a was a black lab, and he was not an athlete. <laughs> like so intelligent, but so lazy. So yeah. fucking lazy. <laughs> Like I had to get him out, it'd be noon and he'd still be in bed. I'm like, dude, like you want to get up and you just like go back to sleep. <laughs> like wouldn't go pee like all day. Like this freaking dog is so lazy. Um, so I, <laughs> that was awesome. He was the best dog that will ever live on this planet. But uh, I do want a, like a dog to run with me on the trail. And so I've been looking at Aussies, but I don't think I could handle the hair, the shedding. It's a lot of they have shedding. A lot. They have a lot. So I'm looking at Aussie doodles, mm. um, which I think would be my first choice. Um, but I, I, I don't feel right getting a bred dog when there's all these dogs that need homes, you know. And I don't want a puppy either. I, I, I did the puppy thing once. Um, it was awesome, but it's, I, I, I don't have the patience to do that right now. I don't have the time either. So I think, um, I want an adult dog. I think I'm just going to go down to the shelter and pick a dog that I vibe with. I think that's what I'm going to yeah. do. Yeah. So that's my advice to people to get out of the house is get a dog, go rescue a dog and, um, don't neglect them. And yeah. by that, 
you will be getting outside. And that is awesome. It's like um, the most practical approach to that question that <laughs> most people would take that and be like, you know, Emerson always said that like, blah, blah, and like it could turn into an opportunity for navel gazing, but I appreciate your, uh, like the approach that I would imagine a systems engineer would take, which is like, oh, you don't need inspiration. You need a system for getting outside. Like the breakdown isn't that you lack motivation. It's that you lack the appropriate system. Exactly right. <laughs> oh man. And then the other thing too, um, you know, mountain biking is um, something that's very accessible that, you know, I, I think like similar sports, you know, skiing, you got to go somewhere, you got to buy all the gear, surfing, you got to go somewhere, you buy all the gear, skateboarding, you can do it out of your house, but it's not so easy. 90% of people can jump out on a bike and ride it from their house, you know? So other than a dog, get a bike, you know? <laughs> and like, see, the thing is for a lot of people and, and for me to, uh, you know, creating accountability is also a really good thing, you know? Um, so like here they have all these group rides all the time. They're freaking all there's a group ride like every, like every night somewhere. <laughs> um, like joining a cool group or joining a group ride, a, a weekly thing, you know? get you out of the, get you out of the house get you moving outside which is the key for me it's not just being outside and it's not just moving it's the combination of the two for some reason is so powerful um and I, that's that's the equation is putting those two things together somehow you know just going for a walk that's good that's a good step in the right direction it's a good thing you know Sometimes you just got to put your headphones in and just go walk outside, you know? Um, but if you can combine that with getting your heart rate up uh, and touching the ground, I, I think that that's, that's the equation for me that um, helps me feel the best in, in my brain hole. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything else you wish I had asked that you'd like to add? I know this has been kind of a wide ranging and all over the place conversation, but yeah. Is there anything else that we just didn't quite explore to, to the length that you maybe wanted to? I don't know. I had no expectations. <laughs> <laughs> Other than what to I told you. Any conversation. Other than, you know, what I said in the, you know, the email about, you know, I wanted to focus on, you know, what it means to have a relationship with nature in our conversation other you know other than that no i didn't have any no awesome well yeah do you feel it. like you have what you need to write your article i think so i'll probably have to follow up just because um i can actually probably stop recording i say keep recording more. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, just never in case. Stop Get all the tape. Never stop recording. Yeah. <clears throat> um, I mean, this, I think all this stuff is, is really cool. People are interested in, in hearing all this stuff. All, you know. Cool. Yeah. I mean, you know, from my perspective, like I am wanting to write a feature. So, you know, just in terms of like trying to construct it, I'll probably have to reach back out with some like super boring detail oriented questions. Um, just like about 
you know, like to kind of hold the larger structure, which is like, this guy has a really cool relationship with nature and here's like what he does in his daily life to, you know, to execute on that essentially. Um, and like why that's important because it's kind of fitting into our environmental issue. And I think that the reason that this story is cool for that is because like, you know, accessibility is something that's not often talked about, right? Like we talked about, like, if you accept, which I do the premise that like getting outside is good for you. I feel like the next logical step is that like, oh, then like we need to make it accessible. Like that's like the next, you know, like if you say this is like important for our mental and physical health and I only want me to have access to it. And like, I don't care if like other people can't like that to me, I'm like, you know, I feel like it follows that if this is a good thing, we should make it accessible to all people. Um, and I think that your work approaches that in like a really cool, fun and interesting way. And that this is kind of a more compelling way to talk about like trail building and accessibility as opposed to just you know, getting into like, oh, trail runners never do anything to build trail. And like, we're kind of the worst outdoor recreation group in terms of stewardship and uh, cultivating infrastructure. And like, I'm just like a total nerd for infrastructure and you are involved in it at the ground level as both an athlete and a consultant. And I think it's really cool to approach the question of like, how do we make trail more accessible? And like, why should we bother from, from that perspective? That's super interesting. That's really, really interesting. Oh, I mean, I, you know, I guess the, you know, the problem for a lot of people is motivation, you know, and if um, they need to access less motivation, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like if there's fewer logistics and, uh, you know, basically if they don't have to jump in the car to get to a trail or, you know, get to somewhere where they feel like they have a relationship with nature, you know, that's so much better, you know, to have trails as a part of developments um, and um, and things like that, I, I think is really, that's the, my mindset, you know, the fewer logistics I have, the more likely I am to make that decision late in the afternoon when I'm tired to get out, you know, yeah. um, I think uh, a lot of people are similar in that way where you come home from work, they're tired, you know, I think people like my little brother, he's a he's a truck driver. He works really, really, really hard, you know, and he's exhausted. You know, he starts, he, get, he gets up for work at 2 a.m., you know, and by the time he gets home from, you know, he works 60 hour weeks, 60, you know, and by the time he gets home from work, he's exhausted. You know, the last thing he's going to do is, <laughs> you know, sc scoop up any, someone in his family and make them get in the car and go drive somewhere, you know, to go for a hike. <laughs> yeah. That's a lot. There's no way. There's no fucking way. But if there's, you know, a trailhead, you know, a local pathway, you know, down the street in their development, maybe he might take his dog out and go walk on that, you know? And although that's not, you know, an epic experience, but it's, it's a good thing, you know, when you, when you work hard and you don't have the time or space or energy, to go on some crazy epic adventure all the time, you know? Totally. So I and I just think that like the less that we require people to be like superhumans, like I'm like, let's make it so easy for people to get outside. Like, let's make it easy for you to go run, walk, bike, like do whatever you want to do on trail. Like let's bring the trail to your front door and make it as accessible as, as possible. Just because I don't think the bar should be like, Oh, you have to be like, you know, a freaking superhuman athlete, you know, 
Like, I just, I just think that like lowering that barrier to entry with, again, without like dumbing it down, right? Like you should be good yep. trails and like, they should be something that can make you aspire to be like a super athlete. But I don't think that like the price of entry should be living in a specific place, having specific equipment, like all yep. these various levels of privilege that just like most people don't have. Because again, like all, you know, what we're learning more and more is that access to these things isn't just something that like should be a privilege, but it's something that should, you know, be accessible to all, all folks. Like you should have, you should be able to go be outside. You should be able to get away from cars and pollution and sound and, you know, go see what the sky looks like. That is the key. The sky, (laughs) the sky is the, the largest part of nature and accessible from pretty much everywhere unless you're incarcerated (laughs) but even then they get time outside you know um and at the very minimum you know okay yeah it's winter it's cold outside but putting on a jacket (laughs) is nothing compared to what i have to do to get outside like trust me you know like put your jacket on put on your shoes and walk around the block at least do that get under the sky at the very minimum um and it's it might not be the most amazing experience you've ever had but (laughs) whatever you're feeling whether it's good or bad or in the middle somewhere most likely guaranteed it'll it'll go up at least a notch you know It's never worse when you have a sky appreciation moment. Sky appreciation moment. I like that. (laughs) That's that. That's kind of my encouragement to everybody out there. Yeah. But, you know, I think I'll just follow up with, again, like a couple um, super probably boring fact checky questions just to make sure I'm being accurate and how I'm representing you, what you do, all of that. And would also probably just love to talk to another buddy that you have just so I can like kind of triangulate your experience. Like if there's someone you ride with or work with, it's always okay. great like to paint a more interesting and accurate picture of someone. It's never want to be like, here is Zoe alone's perception of this guy. It's like, well, let's talk to his friend. Let's talk to his, you know, the guy he rides with. Let's talk to his barista. Let's, let's get some other voices. <laughs> My bartender. Your bartender. Um, if only oh I could always get someone's bartender. That now would be the ideal. Who would be the best person to talk to? You know, probably my my buddy Chris that I mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. who taught me how to drive the skid steer. He'd yeah. probably be the best one to talk to because he's in the trails world. He's a ripping rider, and we've ridden together a lot. So he might be a good good person to talk to. Sweet, yeah, totally. I mean. Again, like the guy that taught you how to use and operate heavy machinery, probably going to be a pretty interesting interview. He's super, he's got a pretty cool brain. Definitely. Well, yeah, I think that's all, all I had for you. Sweet. Thanks for hanging out. Yeah, you too. Thanks for, you know, enjoying a, a beer. I know it's a little bit later in Arkansas than it I is usually would have but... cracked a second one by now, but I didn't want to like say, hold on a second. I'm, go. <laughs> I'm probably going to crack another one after. We yeah. I'm again, also moments, moments away from doing the same, uh, as soon as I straighten out my notes a bit, but yeah, thank you so much for taking the time to chat. I've been loving, I've like watched probably way too many of your, of your videos. Um, oh, no way. That's cool. Totally. Like did the super deep creep, like into the YouTube, into the website, like full, full deal, full 
social media spelunk expedition. Well, that's the right thing to do as a writer. Is it, you know, do the appropriate research and I, <laughs> well it starts I off being like that, yeah. i'm a good journalist and then it ends up just being like oh my god this is a sick video <laughs> it starts at a much more high-minded place than i think it usually ends up the videos are going to be getting a lot better here really soon yeah do you get some cool really cool gear soon. cool equipment well um no i got a cool person Ooh. um and it looks like you know it, it, nothing's for sure yet but it looks like you know, the, the town of Bentonville and some other entities are going to be coming together to to sponsor um, my channel for next year. Hell yeah, that's awesome. And, and that involves a really, um, a really good cameraman and editor. Yeah. Are you, are so, you liking it up? Are you, are you full-time Beeville resident? Um, first question, am I liking it? Yes. Um, well, there's pros and cons to everything, you know, yeah. my, my heart is in San Diego. So that's the hard part. Um, I've lived there for so long. It's hard to not my heart, not to be there, you know? So it's a major adjustment is what I'm saying. That's yeah. the hard part, but this yeah. place is but sick. This place Arkansas is, sick. is a pretty unique, quirky zone. Yeah, it is, it is quirky. Um, but it's sick. And then I get to go ride my bike straight out of my house. Um, so am I, am I, am I liking it? Yes. Oh, wait, what was the second part of your question? Oh, just are you full time there? Are you like, oh, a, no, an I'm not full time. I'm actually on my way back west for the winter here in two weeks. Nice. So my my plan is to be here in the spring and fall when it's nice. The fall is beautiful. Oh, it's I, awesome. I and love it's long. It. It's long there. Yeah, it was pretty solid. So I've been here for, gosh, I got here, what, uh, early October. So October, November. And then now into December. So two and a half, not quite, oh, three months. Yeah, three months I'll have been here um, this, this, this round. Heading west, I'll spend a week on the road. And I'll, get, I'll be back to San Diego. Uh, I have a little, little studio converted garage overlooking the water. Oh, that sounds awesome. Um, looking forward to getting back into my routine of uh, my, my training regimen. I have a trainer there. I, you know, I've way more options for exercise. So I'm looking forward to that. That's kind of the main thing I miss. Um, but uh, no, so no, I'm not full. And then, so I'll, I'll be in San Diego in the in the winter and winters and summers is the plan. Yeah. Well, that sounds, that sounds like a pretty ideal setup. The surfing in Bentonville leaves a lot to be desired. <laughs> oh, that is true. I do miss the water. I do miss the water. Yeah, I try to uh, get in the water. Beaver Lake's no substitute for the ocean. Beaver Lake's awesome. Beaver Lake is pretty awesome, I, though. I was Grew definitely lake. I was definitely drunk in Beaver Lake this summer. I mean, you can't go to Arkansas and not be drunk in Beaver Lake. <laughs> it's like it's our I don't know the closest thing we might have to a state sport. Probably, it's really cool. It's so big. It's huge, yeah, and like got all kinds of weird little nooks and crannies and like really fancy houses and then people that have been there since like reconstruction um holding down the fort that's yep. there's some it's interesting how often do you come back uh usually once a year yeah i like to hang out actually i mean because colorado not a lot of trail running this time of year because it's pretty well it's not that snowy this year but i like to come out around new year's and there's like a mountain race that uh, like a Arkansas what people don't realize is that Arkansas is actually hella steep sneakily um 
and I'm doing a marathon in January that has like 8,000 feet of gain. And it's like super rugged and awesome and weird. And like, it's, it's just like 8,000. Yeah. 8,000. And yes. how many miles? 26. Solid. Yeah. Like, I mean, it, it's something that like, if it was in Colorado, it would like sell out years in advance and would be like a whole big deal. And because it's in Arkansas, it's like free and they give out chili at the end. And it's like the aid stations just have like fireball and like toast. <laughs> fireball and toast. It's, it's pretty, it's a pretty uh, scrappy affair. Um, but that's they, they put, what at least put it. butter on the toast. Yeah. I don't, I usually don't make it too far past the fireball, to be honest. <laughs> I like your style. Oh man. That totally reminds me. I've got this, um, crew in in san diego where i live um they this group of guys are the best surfers in the area they freaking rip and they're amazing distance runners they're they're amazing athletes and i just took them out in in my home canyon for a jaunt we did 16 miles i was on my bike and they were running it was so fucking rad. It was so rad. These guys are, I mean, the, maybe the last mile and a half, they were tired, Yeah, you know, but like up until like 14 miles, we were just joking and laughing and they were completely fine. Like these guys are just so, such amazing athletes. And this was a no joke ride. I think it was like close to 1500 vertical for 16 yeah. mile runs pretty solid a, a lot of a lot of undulating, yeah, rolling, lot, punchy probably very punchy lots of loose terrain you know and i you know what i realize is the 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 downhill for the runners is really difficult you oh know? yeah that's what always people always think it's the uphills but the thing that destroys you is is the downhills because that impact just blows your muscles yeah. up yeah and you got to slow yourself down and so yep. the energy that that requires and the muscle power that that requires yeah, it was super interesting. Um, so that was a really cool experience. So I, I, I felt like I was like out trail running with the boys. Yeah, um, that's awesome. It was really awesome. So hopefully get to do that again soon. Um, but the reason why I thought about that, I thought about like, uh, well, I'm probably not going to be here when you're here. But it'd be cool to coordinate a trail run. That's yeah, cool. for sure. That would be, I feel like that would be a cool article to write. Like, don't write about what I think write about what you think and yeah. what the experience was like for you. You know, how long, how long are you out in California till March till March? Okay. I'm trying to um, find, I'm trying to find some warmer trail races for my spring agenda. So maybe I'll try to swing one out that direction. That would be, that would be freaking rad. Um, but I'll also probably drive through Colorado on my way out in March. Yeah. So we'll definitely that, drop a here. line. You know, I'm, mostly here when I'm not in Arkansas, I'm here. So with a few stints to I'm doing some travel in California as well to train for some stuff. And yeah. Where in California? Um, I'm running Western States, which is like between, uh, Olympic Valley and Auburn. So I'm coming oh, out wow. for that in June and then I'm doing, I'm training on that trail for a weekend in May. So Northern Sacramento. Very cool. Zone. That's freaking yeah. awesome. I love that area. It's so cool. Like the trails are just, I mean, just compare like 
Colorado's great. Love it. But everything here is like so steep and like loose and hard that it's like awesome to go out to California where like the trails are all really well taken care of and like don't feel like they hate you. That's how it seems. The ones I've read. That's how it seems. (laughs) It seems like California is a mess. (laughs) They seem well taken care of. That's cool. The ones I've been, I've been on like a lot of the like more famous, like specific trail running trails just because like the Western States trail is like such a thing that it's like manic, pretty fairly manicured by by trail standards and it's always kind of a treat plus the oxygen at 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 (laughs) that level is pretty great plus the oxygen that's hilarious that's hilarious um okay well we'll look for running events in san in southern california um but probably march in colorado um i've got Sedona mountain bike um, festival the Mm. the first the first week of March and that kind of kicks off my tour Um, I plan to be on the road for the month the almost the entire month of March at least three weeks at least Um, and then from Sedona making my way east and I have to be back in Bentonville for the um, professional trail builders conference uh at the end of march so well that sounds uh, like it could be a really fun and or super boring conference depending oh it's i freaking love it yeah trail builders are like the coolest people on the planet first of all yeah but i get to stay in my lane you know i don't have to talk (laughs) about like you know you know motivational speaking type stuff i get to talk about just dudes with tools and heavy machinery being dudes that that part of it but i get to talk about you know the the trail work and the rating system and 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 you know grading you know the mathematics involved and like grading scales uh trails on on a on a curve you know that kind of stuff and it's all informational stuff i can recite in my sleep and uh, and really fun to talk about i'm really passionate about it so it's awesome it's definitely it's definitely fun and it's a good party it's a very good party. Yeah. So after Sedona, I plan to go to probably Moab and then Western Slope, Colorado, and yeah. then continue on through. So I could totally stop in the Rockies. Definitely. Or through, let me know even if you're in Moab, because that's like only three hours from where we are. And I'm always trying to get to the desert to I'm I'm a southerner, so like winter's not really my jam. So I spend a lot of the spring out that way. Cool. Well, I'll definitely be in Moab in the spring. Um, and I want to post up there for like a week, probably. Sweet. Yeah. Well, let me know when plan. you're there. That's almost easier than getting out to Carbondale, which can sometimes be, feels like definitely not the uh, center of the universe. The second week of March. Okay. Sweet. Yep. That's the primo season out there. It's so beautiful. It's so yeah. fucking rad. I love it there. Yeah, yeah, I love it. I love it out there. I mean, it's like definitely not as much of a like center for running as it is for like biking or even just jeeping, but the trails are amazing and the weather is Dude, great. I saw David Goggins running through there. <laughs> <laughs> I did. <laughs> was he training or was he doing that that race? Did you did you catch him? I think during it, the race? I'm pretty sure he was in a race. I was kind of like I just saw a glimpse of them. Everyone's like, oh, there's David Goggins. Uh. <laughs> um, I was like, oh, yeah, oh, crazy. Um, uh, but I'm pretty sure it was an event. Yeah, he does this so, like 200-mile race out there every year, which like I'm a crazy person, but 200 miles is like next level. Or it's 240, which is like 140 more miles than I really 
can even wrap my brain around. It's a long. You can wrap your brain around a hundred. Have you done? Have you done a hundred miler before? I have. Yeah, it's actually I think my preferred distance. I'm actually kind of impressed. Yeah, it's. I mean, you you don't just don't go that fast. You go slower. Exactly. If you pace yourself, you can do anything. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, I kind of want to do it faster. (laughs) That's really cool. That's super impressive. It's yeah. I mean, again, like. I think there's something about that, like endurance athlete brain where you're like, "Mm, I need a little more from life. Tell us more about that. Oh, I just, you know, like presumably there's people who are able to like just be joggers and like feel fine. And like, that's great. But I think that there's just another subset of people who, you know, more than just feeling okay, or like it's enough to like walk their dog have to, you know, ride downhill mountain bike trails or run a hundred miles or like, you know, kind of be pushing themselves to feel what they want to feel or feel something, anything, not in like I a like sad that. way, but in like a way that like, you know, that's kind of where the cool, interesting stuff happens. Right. Like you probably, you know, like there's that thing to be said for like really loving how you feel when you're pushing yourself on, on climbs or like riding an element in you know, like on the downhill section, that's like particularly challenging like I really like that that challenge I need like all the levels like (laughs) I'm busy and every day like I need my like 45 minute like quick exercise like just like efficiently just get done and like check that box for the day so I feel good about myself like that's like the bare minimum you know I need that I need like the regular rides for me, distance wise, that's like, you know, maybe eight to 12 miles or so. And then like once a week or so, or maybe even once every two weeks, I need like the, like the, the more of epic ride, like more in the twenties to 30 mile range. Like I need that. And then like maybe once a year or so I need the, like the hundred mile the ultra yeah. epic adventure you know because it's not like something you can do all the time because like that to me i think you know there's a certain point i sort of be like i'm questioning your dosage like maybe bring it down a notch but you You know might be crazy you might be like (laughs) real crazy um might have a problem yeah but yeah you know i also am that person who just like is like i love walking my dog i have a lazy aussie um which again, like I love, cause it gets me out doing something besides just like training with like my head down and being really serious. Like she likes to just like hike and like zoom and like run around and like roll in dirt. And I think that like, there's, you know, a part of me that like kind of needs that little buddy who encourages me to just like walk and like be outside and look at the sky and like sniff stuff. And like, don't worry about going a certain distance or speed and just like, you know, be out there. I like that. I like that a lot. Super cool. Yeah. Uh, do you want people to follow you? Sh- sure. Yeah. Or they can follow Trail Runner also. Okay, so follow, follow Trail Runner. Their Instagram is, is it at Trail Runner or at Trail Runner it's, Mag or something yeah, like that? At Trail Runner Mag. At Trail Runner Mag. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I'm at carrot underscore flowers underscore Z. Made it a tough one. Wait, made it a tough one's not part of it. Oh, no, no, no. Like, that's, I just have a really crazy screen name because all the good ones were taken. Carrot at underscore flower underscore zoe 
Z, so just Z. Z yeah. underscore made it underscore. <laughs> <laughs> so it's at carrot underscore flower underscore Z. That's correct. Boom. And you actually have pretty freaking cool photos. I did um, a little bit of research that I had time for. Yeah. See, I like um, a good journalist would. I would not consider myself a journalist. I do have a blog. I have two blogs and I, I may be, I, I'm very far behind. Let's just say that. <laughs> um, I do like to write though. I do. That's yeah. probably something people don't know about me is I do enjoy writing. Um, uh, I'd like to think I'm good at it. I don't know if I'm good at it or not. Um, I like the way I write. Um, I am working on a novel though. Oh, that's awesome. I am. Uh, I have a lot more to do. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't written for a very long time, but I am at 19,000 words right now. Oh, wow. Currently. Nice. Um, which is maybe a third. Of, uh, my goal is 60,000 words. So maybe a third of the way done. Um, yeah, I need it. Maybe this will motivate me. Yeah. Maybe I need, I need to hang around writers a little more. Oh, less, it's awful. Less We're always talking about like, writers. oh man, I'm behind on my deadline. You always just feel <laughs> guilty. It's just a guilty group, group circle. Being a, being a writer is a constant guilty conscience. Feeling like, oh, I should be writing <laughs> the whole time. That's all it is. You're either <laughs> writing or being like, oh man, I should probably be writing. Man, maybe that's why I feel so guilty all the time. Cause I have, I haven't worked on my book for yeah. a few years. You're being a writer. Um, I'm being a writer. Oh, maybe something I could be less hard on myself about. <laughs> um, that's cool. Okay. So people are going to follow you there. Um, I, I appreciate you taking the time. Um, yeah. And I look forward to being on the trail with you sometime hopefully in the future that would yeah, be cool for sure hopefully somewhere and, and that would be a second article right yeah exactly um wait so you said something really cool i barely caught it you said something about you want to do a feature with this yeah yep so like what does that several mean? pages big photos big sexy like spread like really do it do it up not just like i talked to him for an hour but like fully like try to explore some stuff at length. That's rad. Oh my God. That's super exciting. Um, should we, do you, do you want photos or do you want to like have a photo shoot? Uh, we can do both. Yeah. Let's go take some photos. I've got, yeah. friend, I've got local friends. You probably know people here too. Probably, Yeah. But I mean, you know, anyone that you've already worked with just because like, particularly I don't want to send you know I have people that I like but I don't want to send someone out who like doesn't know you know necessarily what they're doing and then like not be able to like capture you doing you or like is going to put you in a position where you feel uncomfortable you're like oh my god like now I have to look out for like this fucking guy you know um oh. which can happen <laughs> it's not I have never, never <laughs> I have never not had a fun photo shoot that's awesome yeah. Yeah. I mean, when you're, I'm like, I'm riding a bike on a trail. Yeah. You know, I got to like go back and forth and do stuff over and over again, but. Yep. Okay. So yeah, you know, who cares? like, <laughs> yeah, who cares? Um, oh, but timing wise, if it's going to be between pretty much now and March, it's going to be in San Diego or West coast. Um, otherwise March, April, May, June out here. 
Yeah. So I'm, I'm kind of hoping to have photos for this rounded up by like the second ish week in January. Um, so I know that might be kind of weird with your timeline, but hopefully we can pull, pull something together. That will actually be a tight window. Um, yeah. Cause, uh, let's see, I got, I'll be landing in San Diego right about Christmas. Mm -hmm. And then second week of January, that's, that's two weeks later. So we got two weeks to do a shoot in San Diego in that window. Right. Yeah. And if we need a little more time, we could probably make that happen. But I just, you know, particularly because like, I'm excited about this piece and I want it to look really, really good. I like to give our art director a little more time to like do the layout and like make sure it's looking good and, you know. Okay. Well, I'll send you a Dropbox link to a a library, a library, and you can choose stuff on there too, which I'm sure you will. Awesome. So it's not all the same pictures. From like one, they're clearly like, wow, like, had this guy never been photographed before? Like <laughs> all wearing all the same strange. Stuff. <laughs> yeah. It's all from like clearly the same. He's wearing the same shirt. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Super fun. I'm yeah. really excited. Yeah, I'm I am too. Like I, you know, I this is my favorite issue per year just because I love digging into environmental topics. And I think that this is a unique way of approaching some of those questions without like coming from some of the same tired angles of like, I don't know just like I feel like you get bored reading writing the same story over and over again and uh we've definitely not done this story so there you go now for for those that don't know what's what's the issue what's special about this issue yeah so this is our annual environmental issue it should be on stands in April so very we're like kind of wrapping it up in January and then it takes like a month to uh actually print it um which thankfully i don't have to do i'm only writing it um and then it gets sent off into the world it's super interesting because this is an environmental issue but here i am on a piece of equipment with a power assist yeah and that has a significant environmental impact too you know yeah but i mean it's interesting yeah i would i would argue that like you know sure like we could gripe at anyone who like drives to the trailhead but I kind of feel like, you know, it's pretty, you know, the amount of energy that you're using is marginal compared to like the difference it makes for you to be able to get out there and connect with the environment. I agree. I agree. Like we could nitpick Um, it like, you know, this guy, like, even though he rode his bike, like the bike is manufactured with fossil fuel and it's like, yeah, well, you're an annoying person. And (laughs) like, that's not really a very holistic way to imagine our connections with the environment. The next person that like, um, like, you know, argues with me or something. That's what that's what I'm gonna say. Yeah, well, but you're annoying. (laughs) (laughs) I get that. Like, anytime we write an environmental story, someone's always like, "Well, you have to drive to trail races," and I'm like, "Wow, thanks." (laughs) Like, (laughs) I guess trail rider hasn't defeated the the fossil fuel lobby yet. I'm so sorry. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Well, they probably drive a Prius, which has a greater environmental impact than a hummer yeah i mean again like you know you could nitpick people's (laughs) individual choices within an inch of their lives and i don't think that that's like a particular like pointing fingers at people like the person pointing the fingers rarely the person who's like really engaged in a good faith attempt to make the world or the environment better for others like you know probably the person that would call you out for being like well you have a power assist and it's like yeah have you built any trail lately buddy because if not i don't want to hear it from you 
Good point. Like we use machines to build this trail. You could, you know, you could pick it apart within an inch of its life. Um, We're all deeply implicated in these systems, but like, if you're not out there, like actually trying to make stuff better then I, you know, I just don't think your opinion counts for a ton. (laughs) Honestly, uh, I don't think your opinion counts. <laughs> I'm sorry <laughs> using that one too. Um, I don't well, think you matter. <laughs> well, the reason why I say it's interesting when, when it comes to the environmental conversation, because it, it, a, a typical um, controversy is mountain bikers versus conserva- environmental conservation. <laughs> you know, um, it, it's it's a it's it's a long-standing fight between the two. Um, so it's it's really interesting that here I am. I mean, for all intents and purposes, you know, although in my heart, I don't feel I'm a mountain biker. I am on a mountain bike, you know, and it uh, it does feel like an olive branch between the two communities that haven't Mm -hmm. always gotten along. There you go. I'm I'm the metaphoric olive branch. (laughs) 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 Oh, that's funny. That's funny. Okay, cool. What do you say? Yeah. Um, Will you send me the file? Absolutely. And, um, I'll probably. Are you okay with me sharing this conversation before the article comes out? Yeah, that's totally great. And I would love to. You know, okay. I think that you're doing cool. really cool work, and I'd love to promote it on my channels as well. And you know, cool. get more people seeing you build trail and doing cool stuff. Well, you're going to be the first one. I've you know I've had this like cover image. Um, it's just this headshot of me that it looks kind of like a baseball card picture that I've used for all my podcasts. And I'm like, wait a second, I need to have like a picture of the person that I'm talking with, you know, it's going to get old of this picture of my face on every podcast, you know? So I think you'll be the first where it's going to be a picture of your face. Oh, sweet. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I mean, you can either pull one from my social or I can send you, send you one, whatever works best for you. I like, I like a screenshot of us in our conversation. That's that's what I think is is the best. Yeah. Did you you get one? No, I'll take one from the video. Oh, I'll pull it. I'll pull it into the, into the timeline, into the final cut. And I'll, I'll take a screenshot from there. Awesome. Sweet. Well, yeah, I will share it far and wide. I was actually, you know, I wrote a note to let Gaia know that you use them and that there are glitches, but they should totally reach out to you. I feel like they're always like, I have some some friends on the content team there and they're like, they would love to work with you. I would love to to provide some user feedback. Hopefully I was not too annoying, but there's a couple little things where it's like, ah, I wish this would work correctly. That's great. Yeah. Outside has bought everybody recently. <laughs> that seems like <laughs> it's like nothing left. <laughs> it's a monopoly. Shops is next, probably. <laughs> Not, oh I don't know. Gosh. I have no idea what's going on, but <laughs> that'd be that'd be crazy. <laughs> that would be would be interesting. <laughs> that would be um, crazy. But yeah, well, thank you so much for taking the time to chat. It was really fun to get to know you and bounce ideas off and just, you know, hear about what trail running looks like in your world. Thanks so much, Zoe. I had a really good time hanging out with you. Yeah. We'll have an amazing Tuesday and we'll be in touch. Yes, ma'am. Right. Bye. Good night.